What's really good, everybody? This is Nathan Allabach, and welcome to the podcast where we get into people's stories and go down a bunch of rabbit holes about what's really good in the world. Today's guest is my friend Kai Corneal. Kai is a songwriter that goes by the name Luna Mores, which I cannot say right because I lack the accent skills. <laughs> and we met through the local music scene a few years ago. She is someone who has one of those voices that just immediately captivates a room, which is what I personally look for in a performer. You know how some people like feel-good music or something really technical or whatever it might be. Well, I love when a song just hits me with every deep emotion like a freight train. And that's what Kai's music does. In the past, we've hung out and done some shows together, but we never really sat down and talked for any length of time. So we jumped right into her story growing up with this episode. Her entire family immigrated to the U.S. from the Dominican Republic, so there's a ton we got into there in the beginning, and from there we tied in how she got into songwriting with some bits on mindfulness and meditation, uh, mental health, relationships, and we just shared a bunch of stories together. Oh, and at the end of this episode, Kai actually played one of her new songs in studio, but my recording program glitched in post-production and I lost it somehow. So really bummed about that. Uh, Our conversation sort of tapers off at the end while she was getting set up. So just be aware of that. However, you can still check out Luna Morris on Bandcamp to hear her latest release, Collecting Kyrie, which I'll have linked in the show notes. And I think that's everything. I hope you all enjoy this conversation. It was a ton of fun. So, yeah. Now let's get into what's really good. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. We finally did it. We're <laughs> finally hanging out. Yes. <laughs> after one failed attempt. Yes. It was just one. Just one. It was just one. And I'm actually, this is funny. Um, I must comment on like right before you said, and we're live. I was like calm, cool, collected <laughs> and feeling fine. And then, you know, that thing, like right when you hit record, yeah. you're like, everything okay, changes. Gotta perform. <laughs> So I mean, we've know we have quote unquote known each other yes. for a few years, but we don't really know each other at all. It's just through songwriting and mutual friends. So yeah, I'm excited to jump into this and get mm. to know more about where you're coming from, who you are, what you do, mm. all the good stuff. So just ah. to give people some backstory, like a starting point. I mean, what was it like growing up for you, and mm. what got you initially into songwriting? Mm. Ooh, so growing up, my parents actually are from the Dominican Republic, and my entire family is all from there. So that's, I guess, where it starts wow. pretty much. They, so were they first-generation uh, immigrants then? Yes, okay. they were, yes. So I'm first-generation born here in America. Wow. And I was born in Washington Heights in Manhattan, and that's like the, the place that Dominicans go to, to when they come here from Dominican Republic. They like okay. move to Washington Heights. 
Cool. So I started there, and I grew up there. I lived there until I was about 12. And my whole life, my family just threw parties just because it was fun to dance and fun to have music around. And, like, it's always just a celebration. And in, in that's, like, kind of, like, what I was brought up around, a mm-hmm. lot of love, a lot of celebration. And I always was drawn to music, but I didn't. I was going to, like, fast forward to 17 right then. Because, like, 17 is when I started to play music, actually. Right, right. So it was a while. Um, so, yeah, so I grew up in New York, and I didn't really get super into music until I was about 14 when my cousin Jerry showed me Radiohead, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> right. You know, like, after I heard Creep, you know, like, everything other than Creep. And yes. n- not to hate on that song at all, but it's just the one that everybody knows. And it's the most normal. It's the most normal, right. for sure. And Radiohead just has so many, they're not afraid to try out different things. Yeah. And each time it's amazing. You know, that, that for me makes an incredible band, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So did yeah. either of your parents have musical backgrounds or was it just mm. more the party environment and you were just, you grew up, just, that was surrounding you at all times mm. and it was sort of... In your like spirit, or yeah, yeah. Where, where did it, where was the seed hmm. initially there? I'm trying to figure that out still, actually, because nobody in my family plays music. Oh wow! Actually, like my cousins played piano uh, growing up, but it wasn't a like jam setting, well, or like a really creative. It was kind of just like b- book work. Yeah, and nobody really ever like we, they didn't. There wasn't much emphasis on it. Mm. So I remember being 12 actually, and, and starting to ask my parents at like 11 or 12, being like can I have a guitar? And my parents were like, nah, like, you don't, <laughs> you don't need that. You got to like do your schoolwork, right. you know, yeah. like they're, they brought me, they, they really wanted me to study and like make a really good life for myself. Cause they like grew up with nothing essentially. Yeah. Like it's a really amazing American dream that they, that I see like right. my parents are like living proof that like the American dream happened. So, so what was their story? Mm, just to kind of go yeah, back a little sure. bit, like like how much of it do you know, and mm. like how much has that impacted you and your yeah. outlook? Yeah, ooh, <laughs> that's a really in- incredible question. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I know a decent amount of both my parents' stories. My mom was born. Um, I always mix up the two cities because I know it's either San Francisco de Macorís, which is a, a, a town. I think I know they lived up in the mountains mm-hmm. like they lived in a like they lived on a farm, essentially in the mountains. Wow. Both of them. I'm not sure exactly where, but I know they they lived with a bunch of people like my dad had eight brothers and sisters wow. and like four sisters. And yeah, eight brothers, four sisters. Jeez. And my mom has four Six 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 sisters. <laughs> They're hard to keep track of. Yeah, that's a lot of people. <laughs> Four brothers, and they would sleep like their living situation was a room about this size. And what would you say this is like? This is this room is like maybe I don't know, like nine by twelve. Nine by twelve. That would be like one room for the siblings. What you know? And wow. they would sleep on like two beds. You know, and and like they would buy rice for twenty five cents, like a full uh, like. 50 pound like bag of rice for like 50 cents what? and that's what they would eat and their life was just lit, walking around their town like playing with the stray dogs and they didn't really know what education was like my parents both didn't finish school you mm. know what I mean like they didn't have much education they didn't have so many opportunities like I yeah. have at yeah. all like they had the most simple life 
living where they lived. Yeah. And yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So then um, on my mother's side, my grandmother, I know I, I'm trying to keep track of it. I hope this is, uh, is I'm it following. good following? Yeah, this is easy. Sick. <laughs> Killing it. Awesome. Okay. My mom, her, her mother came to New York and then um, had to actually split up the five sisters, which were her five daughters, across uh, the Dominican Republic because they didn't, she didn't have somebody to take care of them. Like my, my, uh, I forget what exactly was going on with the dad, my mom's dad. I think he was sick. Mm. He like passed because he, he had a lot of like health complications. So they all got spread out and eventually over like 10 years, they, my grandmother saved enough money in New York to like bring them over one by one. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So they, yeah. So that's how, so that's the origin story. That's the of origin how. essentially of my mom. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So what, like when your parents, okay, so when your mom mm-hmm. came over here yeah. or how, like what did they end up doing? It's like New York yeah. was a sort of landing spot. Like right. what? Like, I'm sorry, this is just no, really interesting. Yeah, we, don't, we don't need to no, make this whole no, thing this about them. So but... <laughs> no, this is so I I'm so happy because I never have this I've never had this conversation with like actually oh, a wow. person. So like this I know great. these things and I've told the story, but not in this. Yeah, depth. right, right. No, it's so it's I'm fascinating. Like it's it's a great <laughs> jinx. No, it's a great, uh, great uh backdrop to all this. So mm, yeah, yeah, keep it going. Absolutely, sure. So, so they land yeah. in New York, what yeah. happens? They land in New York, yeah. So and then so same deal with my dad actually. Okay. Similar situation. His dad came over one by one. The siblings came over. Um, my mom gets here. She eventually studies cosmetology and is like going to school for cosmetology. Uh, my dad comes here, uh, tries to go to school, and the schooling was so different. Uh, in Dominican Republic, you go to school from eight to twelve, and then you go home for dinner and you're done, or for lunch and you're done. It's kind of like block scheduling. Mm. And he did could, your dad finish high school? Or he what actually was his... didn't. Okay. Yeah, because it was so abrupt. The change, the culture right. shock, was so abrupt for him. Because now he's eight hours a day. He hated the food. Like mm. he just wasn't used to it at all. Yeah. So he went to work, and he like worked fifty hours a week. Like just worked really hard yeah. and then on the weekends like played baseball just oh, all awesome. the time <laughs> just so good and like i remember him telling me stories about how he was the fourth batter and like how he was just like the good guy fourth like, batter's huge fourth for, batter's pe- for people huge. that don't yeah, know yeah, baseball yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah true 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 yeah fourth batters means essentially that you're the big hitter so you're up fourth because there's four bases and if there's three people on each base you hit you hit yeah. the ball out of the park and you drive like, them home yeah you drive them home but, yeah, so he, he actually was, like, everybody, I remember him telling me stories about everybody that was, like, into drugs. It was the 80s, you know what yeah. I mean? But he was, like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to play baseball and drink my beer and, like, you know. We had that mentality, too, yeah. that hustle mentality. Of like, right. you know, the, like you were saying, opportunity, like, really, let's make the most of exactly. this. Exactly. I think that hits different people in different ways, obviously, mm. like, depending on mm. their temperament and maybe their disposition a little bit, whereas some people are, if they fall into hard times they might fall more easily into addiction but there's some people that come you know from different countries and they get here and nothing is getting in their way there's mm. like no roadblocks no distractions mm. like i want to make something right. of this opportunity right. you know and so is that so... sort of his mindset you yes think? absolutely absolutely you're spot on and i'm happy you pointed that out because that is a very disciplined like outlook that you have to have and yeah i think about myself and like i don't I'm I'm older than my father was when he came here now, and I I don't know like I don't have that you know mm. and I wonder if it's because like I 
I wonder sometimes if it's because I take for granted what it is that I have here, you know? Well, he gave you the opportunity. He did. And now you are blessed with this life. And yes. now you're able, you have more, uh, I guess, uh, flexibility. You have more choices. Right. And it's it's a lot more uh, gray. Where I was mm. with him, it was like, okay, I need to Ooh. provide, like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs type of thing. Like, uh. you've got your base needs met, so now you can do a bunch more, have more options, right. I guess, which is what, he, right. what his goal was. So right. super cool. Now, what were you going to mm. say? No, I, saw, I, I saw a light bulb go I just off. loved that. I just love that you said that. You're right. Like, I have all these options. I don't really know what my set goal was. My dad knew that, yeah. like, he, he, he knew that he wanted to, like, get a place and, like, live there and that he, he was going to figure it out from then. Yeah. You know, I have so many options. You're right. So to bring it back womp, 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 Here to, we the, go. to the story <laughs> about how, yeah, so they... They actually met um, my dad's childhood best friend came here and uh, was dating my mom's sister. And um, she brought, you know, she brought my mom along. Yep. And my dad, was, <laughs> my dad actually has blue eyes. He, he's my skin tone. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm like a caramel color. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he, my dad has blue eyes. So she saw his blue eyes and swooned. Right. And it was weird because... My dad, like, worked with my mom's other sister, it turned out, and, like, my mom went to school as a little kid with my dad's brother. Oh, that's crazy. And there was just so many ties when they met that, like, like when their families came together, they were yeah. like, I know you from back home. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? Why are you my family now? That is so crazy. So what was mm. that community like for them in New York? Do you know, like, how yes. was it a large, you said, like, they all moved to that spot in New yeah. York. So it was like a large community up yeah, there? Yeah, absolutely. Like, everybody knew each other. Like, there were certain streets. Like, I remember it was like 125th to like 175th or 76th. Uh -huh. And like, that whole area was just like all Dominicans. That's and like so cool. Everybody partied on the weekends and like the clubs were just like, just, you know, amazing back then. That was, that's how my, the way that my parents described it, you know, and they, right. so they worked really hard during the week and then partied and then eventually, you know, got married and had me. I was the first child and then they had my brother and the music continued. Like the music and celebrations just kept on. That is, it is so going. crazy to think about how that part of their lives mm. somehow weaved itself into your DNA in this mm. way that you became wow. a songwriter then. Yes. It, right? Yes. Because you're saying it didn't really exist, by, or at least, you know, in a prominent matter for in past uh, generations. And this is like right. a very prominent part of mm. who you are. Right. So it's, it's super interesting. Right. Right. I, <laughs> do, you, do you see a correlation yet? To, to, to the two things, like where my parents came from and my musicianship. Oh, absolutely. What is it? Because I, I haven't quite connected it. What is it? Well, I think mm -hmm. the, it's a, a lot to do with storytelling, mm. right? I mean, like, okay, so when wow. it comes to an, when you're when you're an artist, you come from a place like you want to share something with the world about an internal experience that you have. And for certain people, they latch on to really emotional gripes. Like there's certain people who... You're Elliot Smith types, like mm. they're very temperamental and maybe there's some uh, like mental health issues involved, but like mm. whatever it is, it's, it's more prone to being emotional. So when it comes to breakups and mm. depression and anxiety, and these are the things that sort of you lasso that artistic part of yourself around and then that comes out in songwriting. Whereas I think for other people, uh, it, it comes out in different experiences, you know, like mm. for me, like what got me into songwriting was more 
the experience of just growing up in a church community and breaking mm-hmm. away from that. And through that, I think, like, through that entire experience for me, there was definitely pieces of my dad's story, my mom's story, mm-hmm. and his dad's st- and their their parents' stories that I could piece together, at least, you know, from his upbringing, the stories he told me. So I think, in a lot of ways, it's one of those subconscious things that maybe, like, you're saying to this day, like, you're still trying to figure out where a lot of this came from, I think. At least from my perspective, that a lot of these reasons why maybe start to parse themselves out later in life when Mm. we start to think about where our parents came from, what they did, and how that affected our developmental process. Mm. Like for in your case, like if I, if if you grew up, you know, hearing these stories, like you, well, obviously for one, you grew up in this musical environment where Mm. there was a lot of partying and good times, and Mm. you were very close. It sounds like with both of your parents so you have that Mm, element but then you also have the element of your parents stories like either Mm. story like as you're telling me these stories it feels like it's them telling me the stories Ah, you know what i mean like you're very intimately attached to it Mm. so i feel like that element that that element of the uh whatever you want to call it the physical and the spiritual journey from one country to another country and to go years you know working your ass off to accomplish something to build a family and all that Mm. i think that story as it's told has an intrinsical effect on who you are then and mm. how you express yourself. So Absolutely. I think there's something there. I mean, Absolutely. who knows? I don't know what I'm talking about, but that seems like from my mm. perspective, that's kind of how I look at Definitely. those types of things. Definitely. It, it is a motivation in my life for sure. And as you're speaking, I, um, when things like resonate, I feel it in my chest mm. and there were certain things that I was like, like kind of, <laughs> kind of like, oh, okay, I, I do see where he's saying, I'm still not going to lie, still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah not yeah. going to, not going to lie, but like, I'm still <laughs> we trying. all are. Absolutely. And, but that's amazing that you brought that up because I don't, even though I know these stories, I think because I've been hearing them my whole life, I now I'm at the point in my life where I can like I have the mental capacity to really dissect what yeah. that means to me. So I'm so glad that you like brought that into my attention and the one thing that I that is resonating and is a, is a um I think about like I think about my mom specifically like um I feel like my mom, she, I, you know me, I'm very like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yes. I just, hi. Strong presence. Yes, yes. She's very much like that, too. She's so loving and, and very expressive. And, um, like, if there wasn't a culture barrier, she's like, if she was, if she spoke perfect English, English, I feel like everybody would love her. And, like, she, you know, mm. it would be like, and in the, I feel like my mom has taught me to be, extremely loving and like music is the same as love to me it really really is like it comes from the same place and I just think about like the intense love that I have for my parents because of the journey that they've been through and how that makes that adds to the love that I have inside of me and how that might add to my music you know yeah yeah Yes. Am I should I am I good here? Oh my gosh, no, you're fine. Okay, you're fine. Cool. <laughs> I was just yeah, sorry, I was just checking okay. the levels on the oh, recording yeah, for a second. <laughs> no worries. No worries. That's what I thought. I was like, I feel like if I talk back here, no, you're, you're, really you're perfect. You're a pro. Great. It's like this is great. Thank you. No, I think that yeah, so is that's, so true. That's that might add, you know, the intense love that I have for them because I know the sacrifices that they've made. Yeah. Is like I appreciate I appreciate life and the little things. I really, really do. Like I I try to, you know, I I can I put the effort forward and maybe it's because I know 
that they that like that's their story. Yeah, and like you, you know? said, like when you're younger, you don't have the whatever you want to call it, the cognition yeah, to totally the understand. Yeah, 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 you can't totally wrap your mind around these right. things, but they have an effect on you. Right. I think the, the older I get, the more I think about this. The more mm. I think about how. Growing up, especially for me, I was a very rebellious child. <laughs> Where <laughs> Just are very, you? Oh, yeah. man. Next time I got to interview you, Nate. You oh, got to come geez. to my radio show. I think about that all the time. <laughs> like, when I'm talking to people on here, sometimes I'm like, oh, like, I wish they knew more about mm. like weird and crazy I am. But, cause, you know, <laughs> context is everything. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's I think about it more because from being rebellious and wild and all that growing up, <laughs> I was very judgmental of my parents in a way mm. where, like, when I, in my teen years, when I was going through just like a, a like a departing from certain beliefs and certain structures and I was just really critical of the religion that I was raised in. I was really critical of the politics that my parents were into and I kind of went mm-hmm. through this phase of deconstructing who I was at that time. So because of that, it's taken me years now to kind of come back around and reconstruct those parts of who I was and in the process, I'm starting to realize how much of who my parents were and are as people is in me. Mm. Things that, you know what I mean? Yes, things I that do were, know what you mean. Things that were so <laughs> annoying to me or upset me or angered me or whatever it was growing up and I didn't have the the lens to see it at the time. And now that I'm older, I see it and I'm starting to understand more when it comes to something like, say, songwriting, where, like I'm saying, like I was kind of getting at before, it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting to now look at who my parents are as as adults and as people who I respect and love and understand a little bit more now and how that has played in to Mm. my sort of what I'm going to call creative outlets in Mm. different ways. You Mm. know what I mean? Like you're saying how your mom was very open and loving and how Mm. that character of hers really... It, it instilled this this part of who you are on some right. degree. You know I what I mean? I think this, the, in that part, just to comment, because while you're saying it, the part that my mom is, is like the stage presence, like I'm not shy. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the part. That's the part. And that adds to your music. Yeah. It really, not it, being it, shy. It gives you, know? you more. Yeah. It gives you more of a presence. Like people always, I, whenever I talk to people about songwriting, it's so multifaceted. And mm. I think people want to hear, uh, here's like a, like a five-step program or here's you know some tips to become better but really there's so many different elements Mm -hmm. you know it's not just being good at writing lyrics it's not just being good at writing melody you have to be just as a person you have to be very um for lack of a better word memorable like you have to Mm. create something about yourself that's a good word actually that's a really good word like how do you stand out like how do you how do you get people's attention how do you retain an audience's attention Mm. when you're playing like is, is it is it how you move like there's some right. my, i have a friend named bruno who's in this band or this he's not in the i don't think he's active <laughs> with this band anymore but it was called former bell now mm. he's doing something called spirit house and wow. he his uh whole like one of his main shticks i think that really got a lot sucked a lot of the people that i know into his shows and his music Excuse me. Or uh, mm-hmm. his stage presence. He's a mm. great dancer. Like he, he, he played. <laughs> Are you guitar. gonna do it right now? <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. Ah. I, I can't. But he would play guitar and sing, and he'd like move his legs, and like oh, he'd have a very yeah. lanky, very um, fun presence <laughs> right. to him, and it, it made you feel you mm. get into it. Then, right. You know. So like I think from an individual level, you have to figure out what's your thing. Like what right. what's what's gonna make you stand out as a performer and a writer. And all that, you know? Very, 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 very true. <laughs> very true. As you were saying that, I was thinking about all the musicians that I know who, like, aren't that good at, like, all right, I put good in quotes mm-hmm. when I put good, like, in general. Like, you know, it's not 
typically good at guitar or vocals or melody, but they're so fun to watch. Yes. Like, oh man, do you know Nate Marks by any chance? I don't think so. Um, Nate Marks like puts Christmas lights around him. That's awesome. And just like spazzes out. Like he's playing like really fast licks. He's like, and he slaps, he like licks his hand and slaps the back of his guitar. Oh and my just God. So, but he doesn't, he's not pleasant, like too pleasant to listen right. to, but he's right. so fun. He like screams into the mic, yeah. you know? Yeah. But he's great. He's got it. He's memorable. That's it. And I, and I get these conversations around different styles, too, because when I was growing up, I was really into metal and hardcore music, yeah. which is something yeah. now <laughs> I joke about this with my fiance Same. a lot because she was never into that type of music. And when, <laughs> and when we get talking about it, she's just like, I don't understand how anyone could be into this. I don't get the culture. Hmm. And I always jo- like I, we, we get in these little tips about it sometimes. I'm like, you have to be in it to understand it. And I think it affects especially young people mm. m- more so than other age demographics because of that, like, angst you get from mm. the music. And, like, when a lot of the bands that you go to see live, at least from what I remember being mm-hmm. younger, that were in those in that genre, mm-hmm. they'd be throwing their guitars over their shoulders yeah. and doing crazy jumps. And maybe they, like, to your point, maybe uh, they weren't the best musicians or right. songwriters or whatever, but if their presence was mm-hmm. really strong, you'd go back to see their shows. Oh, yeah. It's all about the energy of Exactly. The energy and the memorabilia. (laughs) (laughs) Would that make sense in this context? Exactly. Totally. Okay, cool. Totally. I love metal, by the way. Metal's great. I love (laughs) metal. I am, oh man, I'm in the pit. Really? I'm You're in, in the, the pit? pit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've lost shoes. Mosh pit culture. That's a whole other oh, yeah. thing. There's... It's so friendly. People think it's... Okay, it's... it's You're going to get punched. Yes. But I'm saying, like, I've been to shows where you fall, like, there's four people picking you up. Yes. You know what I mean? It definitely depends yeah, on the genre. Yeah, it depends. I've I went been... to a Whitechapel show once, and, like, that was <laughs> so intense. I didn't go in the pit Whitechapel yeah, show. Yeah, but... there's some band... Like, exa- it depends on the band. Because some <laughs> yeah. bands cultivate really great uh, communities like that, where it is violent but it's friendly violent and there's mm. sort of a mutual understanding of people who go to these shows like what <laughs> right. it's gonna be like then there's other ones like i remember there's a show i went to in allentown growing up at the is it croc, croc rock, rock. yeah at the, oh, cro- at the croc rock <laughs> and i was it was a uh, the band playing was a oh uh, it was vanna there's just like a hardcore like whatever post hardcore band whatever you want to call it and I was down in, in the pit, and it was like one of those like shows that lasted all day. It was a Saturday. It was like a 12-hour show, right? Eight-hour show, whatever it was. Yeah, I know you know what I mean? Like, like 12 yeah, I totally bands know what you mean. Yeah, so I'm there all day, <laughs> loving it. It's it's a great time, like, moshing around, but it's a pretty violent pit. Like, the people there are not your friendly. Right, they're going to punch you in they're the gut. They're going to hit you. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when Vanna was playing, there was this guy in front of me. He was huge. He was probably like 300 pounds. And I'm standing behind this guy right at the end of the pit, you know, like it circles out, so you're yeah, kind of like yeah. waiting, like, oh, is the pit going to open up? Wait, are you so, on the, ed- you're yeah, the edge? Yeah, I'm on the edge. Okay, okay. So I'm standing behind this guy. So the pit starts to open up, and without without any like body motion signaling, this guy swings backwards and punches me in the head. And I'm and I'm wearing one of those. Is, I was wearing because I was a hardcore kid. I was wearing one of those like fitted Philly caps. You know what I mean? So I have like a fitted Philly cap on. He punched straight through the cap and bent it in half and knocked me out cold. So I, 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 I woke up from being blacked out after I don't know, like a few seconds or however long it was. I get up. And I realized what happened. And I was like, oh, I'm all dizzy. And this guy is nowhere to be found. Like, he's in, he's off at this point, hitting other kids somewhere. I was like 14. 
and uh, I my I just huge like just black like like gash in my head like blood coming out my hats I was more pissed about my hat when you're, at that you're age like a, oh. at that age you don't care about getting hit you're like yeah, whatever you're I got like, hit God but, I paid for this I, I was like, God I just paid seven twenty five at McDonald's I was working at a car wash yeah, so, like yeah, I didn't have any wash. money <laughs> yeah. God that's two weeks pay right there man oh uh, yeah it's, it's it totally depends on where you're at with the culture but it's great I I love metal music too yeah. it's a fun it's just it's an energy thing like mm-hmm. you're saying it's an energy different genres exude different energies and that's Absolutely. their energy it's an angsty yeah. angry like let's I'd rather have people go to those types of shows and let that kind of rage out there than mm-hmm. them having to let that out on like their friends or family I know, you know right? what I mean like yeah. they obviously have it pent up so right. give them an outlet that's safe right. relatively right and then they can, they're most of the time like metal dudes and punk dudes like they're really chill people yeah like, most of the time you know yeah, really they've got nice, some internal chill. like stuff yeah. going on yeah. <laughs> who doesn't yeah. like come on <laughs> everybody's gotta let it out somehow you're so right so <laughs> just to swing it back a yeah, little bit yeah. I love that tangent don't worry <laughs> <laughs> but so your mm-hmm. project right now, you're still going yeah. by Lunamores, right? I am. Yes. So Lunamores, one word. So what is the origins yeah. behind that? Lunamores. Yeah. Um, so when I first started playing music to fast forward, so I, uh, my parents, you know, I was asking them for a guitar and they never got one for me. Um, not they, you know, that sounds so mean, but I, it's fine. No, you know? it makes total yeah, sense. Yeah, they just didn't, you know, that wasn't part of the plan. So when I was 17, I like asked my uncle, I was like, oh, I really want a guitar. And he was like, oh, I have one. And it's actually that guitar Sick. that's, like, right there Get that out. I still play. She's pointing to the corner of the room just yeah, for people to... I ha- oh, yeah, right, right, right. I bring- it's the guitar that I still play now. It's wow. the guitar that I still use to record. It's, like, I love this guitar. It's a classical acoustic guitar. Just the line- nylon strings. I fell in love with it. I started playing. And then I started playing at 17. At 19, I did my first open mic. And I fell in love with it. I And I just assumed... I didn't know people played covers. Like, I just, I, I assumed that everybody was writing originals. Right. Isn't so, that weird? Right. <laughs> right? It's, yeah. like, amazing how naive, uh, like, how naivety can, like, yes. be, like, when you don't, yeah, it just opens up so many doors sometimes, like, when you don't know. Like, yeah, you, you when can you go, go in with a certain framework, then you're kind of trapped in that, right, you that know, mindset. Yeah. yeah. You know the walls. Like, you know what it means. You know how to structure it. Or right. What it, yeah, when you've been in the scene, but I didn't know. So I started writing original songs, and I'm like, well, if I'm writing songs, I need a name. And I really can't remember exactly where uh, Luna Morris came from, but I remember I just liked the sound, and I thought, I always liked the, oh, I always liked the name Luna. That's what it was. I always thought Luna would be a perfect name for, like, my child, like, my future it's a child. beautiful name. Right? Luna. It's beautiful. And I think I I just attached the word love, so amor is love in Spanish and Luna is moon mm. and Luna Amores is like Amores is like loves like the loves like mm. and Luna is like you know so it's like it yeah. pretty much means moon love but it's just a really pretty way of fr- saying oh it. I love that Luna Amores yeah. you're already well past most people with their band names oh, I feel like, you know what I mean I feel like most people they just come up with a name I'm speaking of myself like you, you, you come up with a name and you don't really know you're just like yeah. ah, I need to come up with something cool or whatever like, then, like, and, then you, and then you come up with a story later you're, you're like, like Joe ah. Box yeah that's good. I'm, I'm Joe Bucks. I'll uh, tell people the yeah. Like you just... I was Joaquin in the Phoenix for a little while. Nah. Yeah. 
if that makes you feel better. I totally get that. Yeah. I think everybody goes through that phase. Like, there's uh, yeah. a friend of mine's band is uh, Brosive Gordon Levitt. Yes, so you I know. know. Them. Yeah. We, yeah, like I played as Joaquin in the Phoenix. Alex and I, when we're together, oh, that's my out. partner. Yeah, yeah. He when we play together, we're Joaquin in the Phoenix. So did you play with them? As a, no, but that's where not? I met them. Okay. Yes. That's so funny. I know. Crazy. Yeah. Small Name, world. Names are hilarious. So oh, yeah. I had no yeah. idea that what okay, so with Luna Moore as being one word, I would yes. not have put together that more was amor. It's like I yeah, didn't are you, are you bilingual? Si, yo hablo español. Oh, get out of yo, here. Fue mi oh, primera that's lengua. So it was cool. my first language. Yes. That's so great. High five. <laughs> high five to languages. How did you have any like when you were growing up mm-hmm. in, the, in your community, do you have friends like like obviously in New York you must have? Mm-hmm. Like was it your first language or what was It was because my parents came from Dominican Republic yeah. and so everybody in my Spanish and everybody in my family spoke Spanish my mom my dad that's that's how they raised me speaking Spanish in the house and then you know my aunts my uncles my cousins everybody did I started learning Spanish I mean English a little sooner because mm. I have older cousins who I would play with who were already learning English that's in school That's how you do it. Yeah. You got to get them young, right? And that, yeah. that's the key time to do exactly. it. Exactly. I took great. bilingual classes in kindergarten and first grade. And wow. then I was so I was I was so good by first grade um so I was like seven that I just second grade I advanced to full English then. I was like what? good. That's insane. Mm-hmm. It's so, the older I get, the more abstract something like that sounds to me. You know, yeah. you think about when you're in first grade, it is insane yeah, how right? young kids are so apt, apt mm-hmm. to learn in a language. Oh my God. Which yeah. right now I feel like I, like when you're, uh, when I was in high school, I uh-huh. took Spanish like one through three. Uh-huh. And as soon as I graduated high school, I forgot all of it. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I had even gone to Honduras. <laughs> like, I had visited Honduras like 12 times over the course of you years. So, know anything. no. Like, when I would when like I go I down s- there, I knew, like, okay, so I would go down like once a year. So, uh-huh. like, there was, when I was in school learning other like Spanish, I had at least a feel for it. It wasn't out of my memory. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But right. as soon as I graduated high school, <laughs> that piece of my brain just is, is gone. It's completely <laughs> decimated. And I hate it. Like, I seriously hate it so much. It, like, much. packed up its bag one day. It yeah. was like, okay, Nate, you're That's not a- using me anymore. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Per- perfect I- expression of my wait, memory. Ya me voy. Adios. <laughs> uh, just like, wait. It wouldn't have even said that because I didn't know. I didn't know how to say that. But it was just... <laughs> It was so bad. That's hilarious. Yeah. And I feel like just mm. in general, my memory is very poor. Like I'm, I know, I'm somebody, yeah. I take in way too much information mm. on a day-to-day basis. And I they say, you, you know, like in the past before written language and everything, like people had much better memories because mm. it was all spoken tradition. So you, you had to remember what much more. Whereas like as soon as you could start to write, I mean, I think this was a pretty common uh, trope with philosophers where like people were worried that once the common people could write memory would be out the door like mem- mm. like the verbal like the spoken traditions wow. you know what I mean so that's like that's for me I'm like hmm. the, the final result of that at this point of mankind where I am on the computer all day right. reading different things different articles my brain is in a million scattered places yeah. like it's very rare that I'm in one like a setting like this is great mm-hmm. to to learn how to mm. communicate and when you're reading a book it's great because you're sitting with a singular focus on the book right. but if you're just like on your computer and your phone like mm-hmm. i am all you're day just with like, my job uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's just, just like blue some, light just yes. like a lot of blue light exactly and like yeah. it, it's so bad for I memory know. yeah you, know? you're right. you get like bits and pieces of it and right. that's it it's right. terrible because it's for me for me it's the physicality of it you're like experiencing like this yes like, like you can 
punch it you can like you know you can feel it you yeah. can smell it you know like yeah. if you're experiencing it you're not really experiencing a screen no. like um i wanted to comment on that like i one thing that i've been thinking about lately is like that exact thought um and like mindfulness and meditation and, mm. and like taking space really helps has been helping my memory at least you know to it just when you, when i'm when i am retaining all of that inferta- information it's slower it's yes. like I, I, I like feel it coming. It's not just like, it's just like, okay, ah, cool. It like more feels like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like for people who don't know, I mean, my, like, like, I want to get your take on this. Like my perception of mindfulness when I hear people Mm -hmm. talking about this in the space is that it's sort of your ability to observe Mm. that you're observing basically you know what i mean yeah. it's, it's kind of like being able to sit back from what you're doing and where you are and just focus on your breath mm-hmm. and almost be able to take yourself out of the equation and just mm. be still right. and you know get like it could be whether it's focusing you mm. almost want to get to the point of focusing that you're mm. not you're, you're just in the space you know yeah. you're no longer having to think because as soon as if if you're not used to meditating on any right. level, you you get distracted within oh, seconds. Yeah. If you're yeah. trying to meditate, you start to think about you start thinking about your breath, and then mm-hmm. you start thinking, oh wait, I'm breathing a little funny, and then you go, oh wait, what did I just eat? And then you're like, oh wait, what do I have to be tonight? And then before you know it, you're spiraled. Yeah, you're, you're spiraled out of control. Yes. So you have to keep doing it and getting better. Right, just to, like, that's really, the practice, like yeah. bringing, like noticing that you're like trailing off yes. and and bringing yourself back. And, and you, you keep said getting it. better exactly each time. Yeah. You know, it's so cool to see as well, like. Because you, the, there, I know I have chatter in my head. Everybody has chatter in your head when you're moving around life. Like it's when you're there by by yourself. Like what kind of thoughts come through your head, and do you pay attention to them? Because mm. it's really important, and mindfulness helps with that a lot. And I think you nailed it on the head when you said "be still." Like that's, in my opinion, like "be still" is equivalent to mind, not mind mm. mindfulness. Just like, just be still because. We're just always moving. Yeah. Because we, we want to, like, be the best that we want to be if we care, you know what I mean, about ourselves. Like, yeah. That's at least where I'm coming from. Yeah. You know? No, I'm with you. And I think people were also addicted to just being busy. Like, everybody yeah. just wants. And it's hard, too, because I think totally. a lot of people, even including myself sometimes, I mean, mm. a lot of the people who I listen to or follow on a daily basis are big into mindfulness or meditation. Mm. So it's not a foreign concept to me. But even for myself, it's hard to practice. Pi- yeah, it's hard to, to practice, practice, and it's right? hard to even pick out in my mind the uh, realisticness of it. Because I think mm. on a day-to-day basis, even if I'm in my apartment, you know, there's cars driving by, mm-hmm. there's cell phones going off, there's right. my neighbors. There's it's very hard to mm-hmm. find a space to get away from the noise and the busyness. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, if you're like me, I have so many things I need to get done on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, like, it's like, I do too. I know, you know what you mean. You're, you're jumping into this yeah. project and it's like, oh, I got this coming up this weekend I got to think about or I got to practice yeah. for this gig or mm-hmm. I got this going on. And before you know it, you're just lost in the sauce. I, I, and, then, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then and then you're no good. Yeah, and then you're no good. Yeah. Because if, you, if you're too lost in that mm. busyness, then you can't, you really can't be your best self in any of these situations that need right. your attention. Right, you know? right. Yeah. That's why I so, like, I totally relate with that. I'm, I'm constantly on the move. Something that's been working for me is just taking just a breath mm. and be t- just just remembering to take Start with a one. breath. Yeah, yeah. Yes, in your day. Like, if you take one breath... To j- yeah, just focus on it for a second. Mm. Just, yeah. Like... 
That shit is good. It's, Can I curse on it's here? It's so or? good. Yeah, of okay, course. Okay, I wasn't sure. I like held back earlier. I, I, I should have mentioned hell, that before. I should have mentioned that before. Oh my God. I was like, what the hell? I literally. <laughs> I should have mentioned that no, before. No, it's all good. Okay. So, what, what initially anyway, yeah, yeah. got you into mindfulness or meditation? And mm-hmm. subsequently, then, has that in any way related to your songwriting or your definitely, art? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, I actually, yeah, I yeah, recently was thinking about this. Um, I've always, always been a very positive person. Like my friends in high school, <laughs> I was like the girl that was like, good morning in homeroom. And everybody's I like, hated you. shut up. <laughs> like you suck. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, hey. You're just like, whatever. I'm ready for That's my cool. day. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like I was always that way. So I always was a, like addicted to being like having a good time and like being happy and like I always I didn't think about it it just always came really like it was always fun for me to be bubbly so so in the beginning when I started thinking like after I got out of high school I like started talking to people more deeply and like learning about myself a little more and asking yourself the big life questions. Like we all do. Yeah. You know, you do that. <laughs> and then you dream about getting in a van and moving to California, like a hippie. And yep. like, that's, that was where I was. And like, when you're in that mentality, you're, you're start, my spirituality was more like it, it felt when I was younger, it just felt like, I'm just going to try my best to be happy. And mm. like, that's what my spirituality is. Yeah. Um, but as I'm getting older and as I really learn about it, it's not, that's not what spirituality, spirituality isn't necessarily happiness. It's having the courage to learn about what your truth is Mm. and like what comes with that struggle, um, understanding like love, like, you know, um, any, every emotion that a human feels, all of it is like accepting it in yourself and learning how to accept it. And like really learning how to follow your 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 core because everybody knows it. It's it's really hard to follow, you know. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing to grapple with for people growing up, especially for someone like you or even mm. myself, where you're more like you're saying a more joyful temperament. Mm. Where I think a lot of people growing up, they don't have that sort of natural right. gift yes. to themselves. I do and, feel lucky, and yeah. they're more in. Yeah. tune, I guess I could say, to, to suffering mm-hmm. specifically, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whereas some people I think are more naturally in tune to good and mm-hmm. seeing that like glass half full type of right. mindset. So I think when the older you get, the more and the more you see, like you're saying, more of the world and mm-hmm. you start to like understand why people have the beliefs they have and where pe- different people come from and you start to see like the vast amount of suffering right. in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, and then you Absolutely. have to face that. You have to find right. the tools to face that. You can't just, it's not yes. enough just to say, hey, <laughs> Like smile. Right. Whereas when you're younger, it is yeah. enough. Because when a kid when a kid comes up to you and right. says, Hey, smile, or like, I hope you're having a great day, it does something to it your does. spirit. Yeah. It when makes you really when you're happy. 16, if somebody says that to you, it's like, oh. Yeah. But, okay, but when a 25 year old says it to you, you're just like, get out of my face. Like, <laughs> I heard this 18 times like before 8 p.m. 8, 8 a.m. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It doesn't become as genuine. You don't feel it as genuinely. Like, exactly. unless the person is saying it genuinely. Yeah. Because we throw it around so much. Like, how are you doing? Fine. I was like, oh, everybody God. says that. Dude, words have <laughs> lost all their meaning. Mm-hmm. It's so insane. Even just mm-hmm. the like words as basic as love. I mean, yeah. obviously, a word like that has always had different meanings all the way back mm-hmm. to the Greek, the Greek culture you know there's right, different right. meanings of the word but mm-hmm. just the way we overuse it now i mean it's insane to think you can take a word and you could say i love 
cheeseburgers and, or say I love my wife. Right, right. You know, it's so how are those the same thing? Oh my god. You know? And, yeah, and it's like yeah, that yeah, with yeah. so many different words. And on a day-to-day right. basis when you're using all the like I forget the number, but there's like there's a vocabulary for like the average, it's like fourth grader or something like that, and that's where most people operate in. There's like a certain word oh, limit or like most like the majority of people wow. operate within this like word limit. It's like most, it's a lot of common language, you know? And yeah. when we all operate in this small bubble of language and we're all using that language in different ways, right. it's just, it, the meaning goes away. You're right. It's so like, hard to a communicate. Person, a person who is like well spoken and like is using intellectual words, I don't know if they all talk like this. It's <laughs> a good impression. It's like, a good impression. You just feel like they're talking like this because you're not used to it. Like, right. You're, like, you're not, it's, it's taking you. You're, 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 my, like, it's so funny. I get in this with uh, my fiance sometimes too because mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. likes to, she likes to, talk in more straightforward basic mm-hmm. tones and I because of me being into songwriting and poetry and all that I like to expand on bigger right. words when I can like I'm, I'm mm. not I'm no intellect but by any means <laughs> like but you're I, gonna use corn, cornucopia whenever you can exactly, like, I, like I use words like paradox and dichotomy and oh. she's just like Ugh. I know and I, <laughs> use, I use the word quintessential a lot that's a I'm great a quintessential. one that's <laughs> you know just when I mean? you don't hear that often so, yeah. when, so when you when you do hear someone throw those types yeah. of lang- that type of language into every day it's tasteful. Settings. Yeah, but but and there's all okay. So it's you. You think mm-hmm. it's tasteful. I would think it's tasteful too. But some people think it's very pretentious oh, and, and off-putting. So it's like they're not like you're saying they're not used to hearing that in the right. scope of their everyday dialogue. And I think that is also in part why certain fields of academia get really bad raps amongst the more traditional mm-hmm. American uh, among us where like mm. people like think oh you're trying to use fancy language right. whereas in their field obviously that's just mm. the language that right. they use you know so it's like mm. there's that gap of communication where you right. have people on one end of you know in academics that are working in philosophy or psych or whatever mm. or history mm. and they have to use mm. specific terms gotcha. to just day to day communicate what they're trying to say mm. and then you have people in like you're just average Joe Schmosh suburb or rural area, and they're just saying like the same few hundred words every day. So when right. they come up, when they brush up against someone like that, it's immediate like, oh, you're just being pretentious, or right, or like I don't understand. So like that scares me. So yes. I don't know how to react, and this feels safe to be like, stop, yeah, get away, yeah, put up, you know? put up the uh, put up the blind, yeah, right. Exactly. So that's why it stays in that eighty percent you said. Yeah, it's Four, something fourth grade. I, no, I'm, I'm, I need, we we need somebody to, <laughs> that's to fact, fact check, but it's something. No. <laughs> That is it. That is, it is, it, is, it is something outrageous. I forget <laughs> yeah, the exact yeah. numbers, but it is something like it's a it's it's a very small amount of words, and it's a mm. very high percentage of people that are in that category. Right, right, know? right. So yes. yeah, it's super bizarre. Mm. Like language is it's how we communicate, but nowadays it's really really hard to communicate anything meaningful in that way. Yes. So like, have you yeah. have you put a thought about this within your writing in any context like yeah do you, within my music writing yes like when you absolutely, write lyrics and absolutely. all that like do you think about this yeah absolutely like i i do try to hmm <laughs> let me actually think about this i do with language like i i actually like didn't really read that much as a kid mm. i i don't know why i i think i, I did a lot of math i remember i remember doing a lot of math. i read but not like that much yeah so I, so, like, I I feel, I don't know, hmm, let me rephrase. I feel like I'm, like, lost my train of thought. You're fine. <sighs> that's why we breathe. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we breathe. 
I love when people take a second to think because it actually, or it's a second to mm. be silent because it means you're actually thinking about something. Yeah. Someone mm. like me, I'm so fast and scatterbrained that I could just ramble off the cuff forever. Yeah. And I'm talking like a hair of a second faster than I'm thinking. Right. You I know, know what I mean? I know exactly and what you mean. And you can just mean. say, like, if you're like me, then you just say yes. a bunch of dumb stuff. I, <laughs> I know exactly. And I still do that. Yeah. I still do that. I recently, like, I recently am like, man, I... I like realized that like I there were certain things that didn't feel genuine that I was saying and I was like mm. I feel like I could stop that by just like not being awkward like it, the the silence isn't awkward no, and like it's, it's not. fine you know and I and if you just take a second you can speak clearly and you feel a lot better you know it's another thing that yeah. we as a society I think we've come to address silence as awkward but it's yes, not an awkward it's, thing it's, it means someone's thinking like like I right. think, uh, talk not talk radio well, mm-hmm. talk radio but specifically I'd say um, talk shows on cable news and mm-hmm. everything where you have those people on like the panels mm-hmm. and they invite a guest <laughs> on for like a five minute segment you know and the yeah. interviewer is yeah. asking the guest a question and three seconds and he's interrupting them and there's constantly going back and forth yeah. not a second of silence right it's, it's talking like, bam, over bam, each bam, other bam, yeah bam, 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 bam. it's like we've conditioned culture to just talk over each other constantly yeah, it's <laughs> and it, yeah you're right and listening is something that is very like taken for granted and yeah i yeah listening is something that's so important yeah you're missing out if you don't really listen if yeah. you just immediately say the first thing that's on your mind because you're reacting like you I, yeah yeah so get back so getting back to the words yeah, do you need me to rephrase it? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. thinking more lyrically, like, when in the writing process. So for me mm-hmm. personally, mm-hmm. when I'm writing a song, I always, I'm in attention always because I'm mm-hmm. between the, the sort of dumbed-down basic language using the words like love, life, mm-hmm. you, you know, hair, care. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Because gotcha. that's the language that we use in pop culture that people relate to. Gotcha. And, it, and it connects to us, even just on an audio level where, like, mm. there's something that connects to people and they hear a very distinctive rhyme, like sky goodbye there's something like when you hear that in melody form it just connects with people you know so i'm constantly having to balance that sort of baseline Uh language use with throwing in more poetic larger words words with more meaning and diversity to them and Mm. without losing people mm-hmm. along the way right so like right. that's that's sort of my you writing try to process balance that. Yeah, gotcha. yeah like i start with that's a, hard it, it's yeah. really hard like i'll start with a story and mm-hmm. if if it's whether it's one line that i mm-hmm. like sing in my head or it's something particularly that i'm thinking about a life event or a belief or a relationship whatever <laughs> it is start with one line go mm-hmm. from there and as i'm pulling it out of my brain it's <laughs> it's coming out i'm trying to think about how each word is going to sound to somebody mm. so like what's that process like for, for you me, when right. you're writing it's fascinating that you <clears throat> ask me I, I feel like i have a contrast going on in my life with words here in my daily life i'm fascinated and like love words and want to learn more about words and if i don't understand a word i will always ask because i want to use the words that i like find intriguing right i will always ask in my songwriting my lyrics are very basic and straightforward, but I feel like they're more mantras, my, my lyrics. So they're mm. very simple. Like earlier you said, be still. So I'll sing. So it's like a contrast almost in my vocal, like daily, I'll, I'll care about that. But my songs always come out very straightforward and mm. like honest and from a place that like doesn't really have, like it doesn't uh-huh. want to do that. It doesn't want to yeah. make it all, you know what I mean? I don't know. It like, yeah, it just well, you used wants the word to, like, mantra. Yeah, like, mantras like mantras. Are very, when you think about like mm-hmm. hymns or uh, right. different like religious uh, songs, it's a lot of very mm-hmm. basic words that you can just sing in repetition mm-hmm. and you can sing 
in very long melodic right. ways that you can really get like a meaningful like it, the, the meaning comes mm -hmm. more from the melody then right exactly right? <laughs> Nate. yes and that's where i that's where i show the feeling and okay. the emotion is in the vocal melody and maybe i can play a song at the end yes yeah, let's do it because there's a there's one song specifically that i think would be pretty good to like just here and then maybe i can preface with um what it's about cool or something yeah, like definitely. that i'd love that that would be cool, cool. that would be cool so what's the process mm -hmm. like for you then do you the typically writing. start on the guitar or do you start with words or mm -hmm. like just for like let's mm -hmm. say someone mm -hmm. listening ha knows nothing about songwriting but they want to get into it okay you know like, right. how does this process start for mm. you i want to firstly say that it's it's really about just feeling like doing what feels good and not letting yourself think that it's supposed to go a certain way mm. at all like it can start from any it can start by you like eating a bowl of cereal <laughs> right uh, and it really can and right. you're like mm, 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 whatever you yes. know that's a song and you like that melody and you go back to your guitar and you play i personally always pick up my guitar and find chords first mm. I find chords that I find really, very, I play a lot of open and dissonant chords, and I, I find a chord, and I always sing the word, I, I always start with the word why, but but I sing it in different ways. That's a great word. You know, why? It's very versatile. Yeah, so, it, thank you. <laughs> it's like, so, oh, yeah. it's like, you know, there's certain words right. that you can kind of just shift them around and exactly. use them. Yeah, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my feet were like, my feet were paddling when you go. said that. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> exactly, yes, exactly. Yes. So I'm singing why, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. singing around. And then I eventually, like, I really just start to go inward and see how I'm feeling, see what's going on in my life, what I'm thinking about. And it either goes in the direction of like what's currently going on going on in my life or a lot of times nature and like what mm. nature teaches me and how I relate that back to nature. Is so, that something you draw inspiration from? Because I, I see you just from following you on social media. Yeah. You're, you're a nature girl. I love You're yeah. very into that. So yes. is that something when mm. it comes to the inspiration, like the, the mm -hmm. ether of a lot of these songs, yeah. do you go out into the woods? Like, is this something? Mm. What do you do? I go, I, I don't um, go out into the woods for songwriting, but I do go out into the woods for lessons. Mm. And I, I, <laughs> I often go into nature and find, find lessons out in the trees. Just to give you an example the tree in my backyard like it it goes through so many different harsh rain cold hot like mm. so many things in 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 its life and it still remains beautiful and it's calm and it like keeps growing back every year keeps growing flowers every year and i relate that to my life i same thing it's just different life but same same struggles you know and i find that inspiring yeah that the tree keeps growing back and you know differently maybe or maybe it'll grow more flowers here but it's still there and thriving i think that's something amazing that artists do is that mm. when you look just the way you described all that mm. when you look at something like a tree mm. you're not seeing the tree for you know it's whatever just the character what you're used right, to seeing in like a tree the bark the leaves <laughs> exactly you're seeing the growth you're seeing the story behind right. it and how it pertains to life as a whole how it pertains to your life how it hmm. pertains to the the nature around it and you take it layers deep and mm. i think that's something amazing that artists can do that really draws inspiration like i feel <laughs> 
I feel like more people would be drawn to art in some capacity if they spent more time in nature to yes. some degree. You yes. Know? Because yes. now we live in these concrete jungles yeah. where you're on sidewalks and pavement mm. and buildings are everywhere. Right. And it's hard to it's hard to find that space to really get away into yeah. when you're just surrounded by green or even mm. if, if even if it's fall and everything's dead, when you're surrounded mm. by that brown right. all around you, it's such a different it's such a different feeling, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I get stuck a lot of times mm-hmm. in the different seasons where you're stuck in this four wall. Like we're in this room right now. Yeah. There's four walls yeah. and a ceiling ah! and a floor. Yeah, it's closing in. It, it's so tight. And like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel in small doses to me, it doesn't it feels fine. It doesn't feel unnatural. But when you're day to day not getting out, you know, it really for me personally, I feel the weight <laughs> on my mental health. I don't know why I thought of you yeah. being like Bigfoot and like after months <laughs> just, of being down here just, in this basement. I, like, I, I arise yeah, and just come like... out <laughs> covered in hair. Yeah. I am covered in hair. You so are. That's it's... <laughs> I remember the one time I asked you if you actually had a chin because I've never seen it. <laughs> I was like, do you actually have a chin? We've never hung out when I didn't have a beard. No. I usually shave it like once a year. Oh, okay. So you've got like a month to see me in, uh, in a year. I got to see that. You, one, one of these years. Got to prove it. You'll, you'll catch me one of these chin, years. Man. So, <laughs> so, so yes. for, for you, I feel mm-hmm. like, okay, depending on where someone's raised and how they how they grow up. If, if you're raised in a city, like you were raised in New York. So yes, I mean, and then the, I moved to Emmaus when I was 12. Okay, so that's a much different environment. Changed my life. It, it's, it changes yeah. everything. Changed so do, everything. So do you feel like that change of pace, like for some people who grow up in the city or they grow up in the suburbs, not really near mountains or trees mm. as much as often, is that... Does that play? How much of a role did that play mm-hmm. in your development as mm-hmm. a not just an artist but as a person? Like, did you were you always attached to nature? Or was this something yeah. that like kind of drew you in, or was it something mm-hmm. you appreciated later on that mm-hmm. you kind of got more from as you got older? Right, right. And that's like I actually just had a talk with my friend about the same question. That's interesting oh, that wow. you asked me. Um, when I was six, I went to Dominican Republic and went to go visit my grandfather and see his farm and. Um, my mom and my younger brother came with and they every day wanted to go into the city and I always wanted to stay back on the farm. Wow. And you remember this yeah. six years, you were six I was years six. old. Wow. I still, I always wanted to be, I always didn't want to have shoes on. I almost didn't want to wear shoes here. And I was like, Oh no. I took my shoes off. Yeah. Like, it's okay. Al- it's I was, always more comfortable. I just don't wear shoes. If I don't need to, you know, right. in the summertime. Like, wiggle them toes. <laughs> I need to make a shirt that says wiggle them toes. <laughs> That's an, oh, it's, it started it? right here. We just we just launched a brand. All right. <laughs> T-shirts are coming. Mugs will be coming this winter. It'll yes, be. please stay tuned. We'll go to, and, and in the meantime, wiggle them toes. Thank you. So, yeah. So, I always had a gravitation wow. towards nature. Always. And then I grew up in the city. Um, and what I think the city did for me was, like, the, it, when you're in the city, like people, people are really just like open, yeah. and nobody's weird. Like, like, like in the suburbs, people are more, way more private. In the city, nobody's really private. Like, yeah. if you need a cup of sugar, like, I mean, not to say that it's not like that here, but you know, you're, you're everybody's just open and going to each other's houses, and like you would live in an apartment, so you're in the same hallway you know and yeah the communities are really tight right. whereas suburb you kind of the whole idea of suburb right. is you move out into the suburbs you get your little plot of land exactly. so you don't have to do that right right which th- that's great and then like i i think i'm gonna do that but <laughs> but not you know i but yeah i think the the being in the city like really helped me 
un, like be totally comfortable with people. Like I'm not like I, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in front of crowds and then like in crowds and with people. I'm not, you know, that, that I think the city gave me. Um, and then when I moved to Emmaus, I live right by the pool wildlife sanctuary. It's like half a mile away from my house and mm. there's a Creek and a giant wooden bridge and like trails. And it's just, I went there every, pretty much every day. Wow. And it was just so good. And I fell in love. <laughs> That's, it's so wild to think how you had that sort of best of both worlds yeah. upbringing or you had that right. city upbringing. Because I feel exactly depending on your, your stage of life and how you grow up, that really shapes who you're going to be in a lot Absolutely. of ways. It's not talked about a lot. But if you're raised in a city, mm-hmm. chances are you're going to want to stay in a city yeah. or, or move to another city. Whereas if you're raised in the woods, right. chances are you're going to want to stay in the woods. But you kind of had both of mm-hmm. that uh, experience and how it shaped you in those different ways. Like, right. That's really, right. that's really crazy. Right. And I can live in a city. Like I yeah, would, now you can, I yeah. could, you know, I wouldn't, I'm, I can, I can, I'm used to like the traffic and yeah. all of that. And you're so right. Like that's like a, <laughs> thank you parents. Right. Like, you know, thank you for that. Cause I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not scared to live in any type of environment. Like I'm not, it doesn't scare, you know, both sound gr- Nature sounds better to me. Like I would rather live in the mountain on a hammock than like, you know Times square right i think once <laughs> but, you once you get that taste as an adult once you get that taste of having the 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 freedom to visit nature whenever you yeah. feel if it's, if it's in your backyard or if it's a few miles away or whatever it might be then it's hard to let that go you know mm. unless you unless you're someone with that hustle mindset like there's certain people who mm. they need to be in a city because yeah. whether it's their career For or whatever sure. it is that's just they have to be around a lot mm. of people and jobs and busyness and that's the yeah they like that lifestyle right. they like the city that doesn't sleep exactly that's them they yeah. like, they like live for that you know yeah but i think especially nowadays in the age of sort of just this perpetual anxiety that we all you know, <laughs> i know why does nobody talk about it i, I don't know <laughs> like what is this? mental health is just out of control <laughs> and everybody has depression or anxiety or some kind of disorder like a lot of new ones that no one really even understands what they are so i think as an adult when you do get that taste of getting out of these systems that we're talking mm. about it's hard to let that go then because it is like a therapy and I, and I don't, i'm not someone who thinks that I, I know there's certain people who <laughs> i've had friends <laughs> who are depressed like actually clinically depressed mm. and like someone will tell them just go outside and it's like okay that's pretty condescending because, like, obviously, it's not. It's not. It's not that nature's not a pill. Yeah, you're yeah right. but it yeah. definitely it has part of that solution in it somewhere. Yeah. it's not like a one size fits all thing. Of course, thing, of but course. But it definitely helps certain people. Right. It does. De- it definitely wouldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, exactly. it definitely wouldn't hurt to like sit on some grass and just look up at the trees while you're feeling terrible. Like, right. Just do it outside. There's, you know, yeah. or, or like, but it's so hard sometimes to just make that first step the first step is the hardest part and nobody can tell somebody that it's like that they're what they're going through isn't true like you can't it's just not fair to like say that to somebody so i totally know what you mean it's not one size fit all yeah at all it's it's yeah yeah and even for me like i feel at this point in my life i'm my i have a pretty good grip on my mental health Mm. so i feel like on a day-to-day basis i'm not i'm not like i'm not scrambling like i was a few years ago where i was (laughs) in the trenches of like panic disorder and having Mm. bad anxiety so even right now where life feels decent if i go home from work on say like tonight it's a what's tuesday Mm -hmm. so if i go home on a (laughs) tuesday and and i have say five six seven hours before i'm gonna go to sleep 
I'm not. It's it's hard to get me to mm-hmm. to out onto like the trail. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and I'm I'm in that good state of mind. So right. you, you take that to someone who's struggling with something. You just add mm-hmm. layers and layers right. onto wow. how yeah. difficult it is just to get mm. off your couch sometimes. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. So it's so multifaceted. It's not. It, mm. It's not just. It's not just your diet. It's mm-hmm. not just your sleep. It's not just your job. It's mm-hmm. not just your heart, whatever it is. It's all these things sort of wrapped up in mm-hmm. this crazy bundle that's yeah. different for everybody. And it's really, for some people, it's just hard to to imagine. Absolutely. You know, yeah. That it's time. like, how do I find, how do I even picture a life where like my mind is still or like where I, where I am not like this? Yeah. It's like really hard to, to. I wanted to comment on, you said, like, like a couple years ago, it was, like, panic attack anxiety, mm-hmm. and now it's, like, you got a good grip on it. I, that's, a kind of a beautiful process, I feel like, because I've gone through the same thing, like, a couple years ago. Oh, wow. I, like, you know, my, once I turned 20, that's when I, like, the soul searching, like, really started, yeah, and that is hard. Yeah. yeah, it's so hard, like, and I wasn't trusting myself who I was, you know, and. But I feel like when you go through something like that, you come out of that so wise. And, like, yeah. you've learned because you've gone through the mud. Like, you're, you know, you did it. And, like, it's so important for us to to go through that. And, like, for me, it helped because I, I tried to remember, like, tell myself that. I'm like, man, like, I know this sucks, but, like, it. I'm going to try to learn from it. Maybe I'll learn from it, you know, Yeah. type I, of me- feeling. I always have a weird time even, ex- like, telling the story and explaining my feelings on it because it's wrapped up in thinking about everybody else's stories in this way. And mm-hmm. I think how, so for myself, a lot of what I went through was trauma-induced. And mm-hmm. th- the process of me going through that, it was long and it was he- literally, I describe it as literal hell. Because for wow. me, when I was going through the anxiety and the panic disorder, it was a daily thing where I would get these long standing panic attacks like multiple times a day. There was not like a moment of peace. Like I'd kind of get I'd get the peace right after it would subside for like an hour maybe or like a couple mm-hmm. hours, whatever it was. Then it'd come right back and it was that every day for almost a year. So and I lost like 35 pounds and had to like oh. I lost the relationship. I had to break up with the girl I was with because I wasn't a functioning person. I mm-hmm. dropped out of school. I had to quit my job. Well, they wanted to keep me on, but I had to literally like explain to them you don't get it like i can't i physically cannot be here like it was the most it was super devastating because i had not i hadn't experienced something like that growing up a couple years ago yeah this was 2012 so for me going through that process and coming out which i don't need to it's a long story but like from getting out of that process it was it's great and you know today Mm -hmm. you know however many six years later i feel better and it's and it's Mm. i have that story to share with people but a lot of the people that i do share the story with are still in that space Mm. and it's really hard for me to get into that with them on some level because for some people it takes their whole life to get through it you know like i kind of had this really privileged like lucky position where it only lasted a couple years for me. I still have the tremors. It's not like I'm healed and I'm 100%. I still deal with this on a semi-regular basis and Mm -hmm. and it comes out in different ways. But when it comes to how the day-to-day effect Debil- like debilitated me mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. that part of my life right. at least the is debilitation over. that's a good word right? yeah and like that that debilitation mm. affects some people for decades yeah you know so it's like when i get into talking mm. to some people about this it's like really strange to i guess mm. step outside of my own perspective and think okay 
yes, like there is, I do believe, like when I've explained to other people, I have to think there's light at the end of the tunnel. There, you have to have hope. Like there has to be some yes. string yes. of hope along the way, but yes. it's also, I don't want to ever come off like, oh, it, this worked for me, it's going to work for you. Right, you right, I mean? right. So you want to really, be extra, yeah, you have to be, to be very careful. Yes, yeah. yes. So like, what was it like for mm. you though? I'm interested to hear, like yeah, you said sure. it was around 20. This happens. Yeah, right like, around what, 20. What spun this on and yeah. how did you work through it? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so I was 20 years old, and actually, like, it was my first serious relationship. This is where it always starts. Yeah, because they bring out, they show you your bad sides, like, you know, yeah. and your good sides, and, like, and like they show you the sides that, like, like I was a very, and not, and not that I'm not laid back, I'm pretty laid back, honestly, um, but, like, back then, I, did, I, I didn't know, he was my first boyfriend, you know, I'm still actually with him now, it's Alex, my love. <laughs> Shout out to Alex. Shout out to Alex, my love. <laughs> but, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, so, um, when I started dating Alex, I was, like, I was so naive, and I was so, like, used to, um, like, kind of, like, bouncing around and getting used to, like, being used to, like, just... Hmm, how do I describe this? I was so used to people liking me and like mm. and like and like just so used to getting that gratification all the time, and it was so easy because I didn't really know the people that deeply, so it was easy yeah. to keep it light and not get upset at anything they did. You know what I mean? So it was always kosher, like you know. I relate easy. so hard to this. One. You do? <laughs> yeah. Oh heck yes! <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. So it's so easy. You don't. You don't, you know, you don't know what it's like to actually have an emotional conversation to say, like, you disappointed me, you know, mm. or to say, to know that you're, like, getting upset and to see that you're not perfect, like, yes. to like, see that. You, you yeah. said it's like they, they show you these good and bad parts of yourself. Right. I, I always say it's like a mirror. Someone's yes. shining on your ego. So right. it's, it's now you're getting this full frontal up close picture of what you actually look like to someone who loves you. Right. Which is so hard because it's, it's easy when you're, when you're talking to someone at arm's length, like right. you're saying, I yeah. was the same way growing up, you know, I had mm. friends and teachers and colleagues and people that like that really liked me mm. growing up. And, and it's like, as a kid and as a young adult, I didn't have to think much about it because mm. I would see them maybe once a week or once right. a month or whatever it was and everything was mm. gravy. But then when you're with someone, you see them almost every day or multiple mm. times a week. They are now seeing these deep sides of you that just the mm. everyday person's not gonna right. see. You and know? you're learning about those sides yourself. Yeah, because you person never had that, to deal with them, right. except maybe with your parents before. Your parents, your parents and your siblings, the, yeah, maybe. They're but, the closest. But they've known you your whole life, so they're used to it yeah, already. They already know how to react to you. They already know how to talk around you. This person does not know you. Yeah. So they're gonna challenge those sides of you, and you're gonna see if it works with who they are, and yep. like you have to see if you want to change things about yourself, if it's worth it, like... It's it's really uh, an intense process to like fall in love and like to figure out who you are through this person, you know. Yeah. So I like my depression really came from I just re like I felt like I relied a lot of my happiness on like the relationship and I like put all of my energy into the relationship and I wasn't focusing on myself anymore. So the Kai that was so independent and like didn't care about you know you know getting becoming close with anybody mm. is now spending so much time with this one person and is intertwined with this person and now does not know who she is oh you know yes, yes. <laughs> so that's where my depression came from essentially you know that was like the core of it so i started to really play guitar 
and really do some soul searching and and not being afraid of having these conversations with Alex. Like, listen, this is what I'm feeling. Always being honest with myself, trying to. It, it's hard to think about like how exactly I did it because it's been you know I'm, it's a constant process to right. to continue to learn about yourself and accept yourself. But when it was really when it was like at its toughest, I definitely. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's like it's like the debilitating thing, you know? Yeah. It's like I just feel so grateful that I had, like, my family and, and Alex to, like, push me through that and to always show me that there was still good, you know? And I eventually started to believe that. I started to play more music, like I said, and I started to get, like, feel good inside myself because I was feeling good about what I was doing. And mm. slowly, very, very slowly but surely, I started learning about where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be. I knew I loved people, so I want to be a therapist. You know, I know I love sound healing, so I'll study sound healing. Wow. You know, it, it was so—it it happens kind of like a bran- the branches of a tree really slowly when you're in that state. When you finally hit that bottom hole where you're like, I don't know who I am. I'm, like, totally intertwined here. This is not good. I'm, like, depending on this person. Yeah. I need to really not—that's so unfair for this person. They can do no right if I'm relying on them this heavily. You know what I mean? Well, that's literally that was literally oh. my relationship. I couldn't wow. do it. I couldn't do yeah. it. I was I was a mess. Mm. I couldn't think right. I was overthinking everything. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, you just you project all of that onto, onto them. Onto them, right? Yeah. I literally wrote this song. I put it on you. Like wow. I literally well, it's, wrote it's that song. It's all right there in the title. Yeah, I put it on you. Jeez. But isn't it so fascinating? Yeah. So would you say this was a few years ago? Would yeah, you this say was that, like two and a half, three. Almost. So still to this day then, mm. like, do you want to get into sound therapy? Absolutely. And so isn't it fascinating then that in the sort of depths of <laughs> yes. this despair and awfulness, that's where mm. you found what that's you what wanted he, to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's like the Rumi quote. Oh. Do you know, you know Rumi? No. What is that? Okay. Rumi was a, um, I forget which country he was. I think he was from India. Uh-huh. He was a a poet from, I don't even know what era this was. He was like, it's like a, over, it's at least 500 years ago. I want to mm-hmm. say he's a poet from over a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Ancient stuff. Mm-hmm. But he um, has a line that says the cure for pain is in the pain <laughs> yes which is just yes it's a, it's a very it's been now reused yeah. and rehashed all over the place i but believe that yeah it's I a great quote that. i love that yes. quote. it's so it's so universal yes. yeah you see it across religions you see it across different self-help and psychology mm. fields where people it's it's a not it's not one of those things that you can kind of point to and say oh that's just subjective it's very real in the universal sense that mm. in the pain of who the pain that you're experiencing is the pain is where you often find, you know, what you need to yes. do, how yes. to heal yourself. And like that feels what you good yeah. when you figure that out. And that's yeah. like where the drive comes from for me It's like when I look back a week ago and I was like, not, not this per- present day, but I remember two years ago, like rem- thinking back like, wow, a week ago I was like crying, but mm. this week I'm feeling really good because yes. I figured it out. And that keeps you going, like, when yeah. you figure that out. It's really inspiring, and I'm addicted to that almost. Like, if I'm feeling something weird, I'm, like, I'm, like, teaching myself to pause and be, like, what is that? And not being afraid to let my brain go to the worst places that it wants to go, like, just observing, you know? Yeah, and I, th- I think that tightrope is how a lot of the greatest artists function with, mm. the, with their writing process. You know, like, they, they have to function somewhat between the the chaos and the despair and then also in like the function the mm. functionality of their life because you can't be 
a functioning artist who tours and writes and produces and makes money and has a living while just living in chaos all the time. Right. You know, you, you, you can have mm. that side of you who is an addict right. or someone who's depressed or someone who's dealing with breakups constantly and whatever mm. the vice might be, you can have that. You need to have that mm. to inspire you It's at some degree, but you also need to have that functional part of you yes. who, who can balance it out and say, okay, like I'm going to take the money. I'm going to take the tools I learned from these experiences and now uh. put them into something which i love I think, that it's so hard to it's, do right but it's like what you're, like you're saying it's a learning mm. thing like you're constantly learning how to get better at it you right know? right i love that i love <laughs> that you pointed that out that's so cool you're right like artists do have that you know and they do have that they go through that to like art out yeah. like to art out music out you know what i mean whatever your art is yeah it could be cooking whatever you know like you're right you're right it's like it's it is beautiful because that it's so honest like Happiness is totally honest too, sure, absolutely, but like, mm, it depends. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say. <laughs> it, yeah, it depends. It, it all depends. depends. Yeah, it depends. Cause I think sadness can be yeah. inauthentic too. Sometimes, like it I know, can. yeah, you're there's, right. There's yeah, who, that's why I was thinking. There's some mm. people who are really smart and they become mm. very manipulative and they're good at gaslighting other people or mm. virtue signaling or using mm. using the sort of despair of their life to add like advance them in some social setting like i know certain people who can take their own depression or their own sadness to some level and they are not they are very aware of Mm -hmm. it they're very aware of how how to move within that and they can use it to sort of to either whether it's trick people into dating them or you know what i mean Mm. or or to project it into the social sphere to get attention you're very right and it becomes and i don't say that to say Because sometimes people aren't fully aware that they're doing that, and sometimes they are. Like, that's definitely a sliding scale. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't demean whatever the actual thing that is, like, tragically haunting them underneath. But it's still, they they know how to use it. You know what I mean? And some some people use it for good, and some people use it for bad. (laughs) There are some some bad people. Yeah. There are some bad people out there. Yeah. I mean, you see it all the time with scandals and, like, artists that, like, try to trick people. And, like, and especially with, like, sex abuse scandals and all that. Like, there's... There's lots of people who they can they'll mm. definitely publicly talk about their mental health issues and right. whatever they're going through, but then they'll also use that mm. to sort of create this uh, pit. toxic, yeah, like ex- sludge. Ugh, like, yes, just exactly. Like, oh my god, it pollutes the air. Right. Like we, oh. Yeah. So it is tough because you have you do have to balance. Like you're, you, you do can't, have to balance. You can't just yeah. fall into the despair. No, you have right. to balance. Right. Yeah. You have to know when to like snap out of it. You yeah. have to like know when to make moves because it's so easy to just go days without making moves like and you can do that you fine sit in, sit in it like stay in stay in bed you know what i mean yeah, some but, like, people need to stay in some bed people need for to weeks stay in or, bed. Yeah. yeah and like for me like sometimes i like if i need to spend a day in my room like just chilling like i need to do that but like for me personally there comes a certain point where i'm like something kicks in and i'm like all right if i don't make moves then i can then it's going to become a pattern because yes. my brain starts to rewire. I feel it like rewiring its pa- its brain patterns. That's literally like, what it is. You're, you're, yeah. you're carving out grooves right. in your neural right. pathways. So you got to like, exactly. Yeah. So you got like, that's that too, the science behind it. Like it's just <laughs> it is science. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's a thing. <laughs> it helps when you study the science behind it. It like makes it so like matter of fact, like matter of yeah. fact, I should get up right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think about that all the time, even mm-hmm. in something as basic as going to the gym. Because mm-hmm. 
for me, I had, I grew up, I, I wasn't into working out at any point. I was never like a bodybuilder <laughs> or anything like that. You know what I mean? I'm so swole. <laughs> Getting swole at the gym, bro. <laughs> I actually just showed Nate my calves. <laughs> Looking swole, bro. Thanks, man. I, uh, but, <laughs> skate, you know. Gotta, gotta get it in. Gotta get the hustle in. But I mean, from, from growing up, I in like high school at some point, I got going to the gym a couple times a week. And developing those patterns is what has helped me now 10 years later if i need to, if i fall into a slump now i have the oh, tools I those, see. those neural pathways that you're talking right. about like if i never at any point got into the rhythm of working mm-hmm. out i wouldn't have a sort of a picture to go off of on like what that even looks like i mm-hmm. think there's some people who whether it's addiction or whether it's you know a mental health whatever it might be mm-hmm. people have their vices and then when it comes to solutions the solutions are so abstract that it's hard to even know where to begin. And mm. then even if they start something, like say someone starts like a Weight Watchers program or they start like doing CrossFit <laughs> oh, yeah. and they start and they do it for like a couple months and they're mm-hmm. so into it, then they fall off of it mm. and then they maybe won't do it for like another couple of years. And right. when they look back on that, they think, how did I even get into that? Because the pathways mm. weren't fully developed. Whereas for me, I feel like I've gone through at least four to five points of my life over the course of different years and months where mm-hmm. I got so into exercise. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Whereas, man, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, why? Yeah, well, why does that work then? I, but what I was going to say, I got, there are different points, but uh-huh. now I'm not like super into exercise, but now I have the blueprint. I have the tools to know if I want, if I needed oh, to. Oh, I see, you I see, what I'm I see. Saying? Yeah, so I know like what if you I mean. needed to get into it, you I know, know I can do it. Do it. Yeah, right, I know how right, to do it. Whereas right. certain people don't have that blueprint. And if they do, <laughs> yeah. maybe it happened once on a Weight Watchers thing they did for a month, like 10 10 years ago. Right, right. But they still have that memory about it. Yeah. It's like the more you do it, even if you fail and you stop for like a couple months or a couple years, whatever Mm. it is, the more you keep getting up and keep doing it, those pathways get stronger and stronger. Right. You remember it wasn't as hard. Right. Just even getting up like that one time, it wasn't as hard. Every time matters. Yeah. Yeah. You made me think of, I used to jump rope and I was just thinking about those days while you were talking. Like hustling, jump, jump roping. Yeah, you do like, tricks. I used to do like crisscrossing, and I used to like go for, like I used to do some footwork. I wasn't crazy. That's but awesome. I got into it for a little bit. It I, looks so cool. When it does, do right? That. Right? I know. That's why I wanted to do it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yep, yep. I need to do that. I need to do that all over my neighborhood. That's amazing. <laughs> so Kai, when yeah. you, I want to pivot just a little bit. I'm interested to yeah, hear pivot. if you have anything to say on any of these topics, and if not, yeah, who cares? But <laughs> when, when you when you uh, look out into uh-huh. the sort of political and mm. social and economical state that we are mm-hmm. in as of 2018, just how crazy different um, like the polarization is right now between different people groups and mm. how like like we were talking about earlier, how people define words differently and how like the language is really hard to use in day to day conversations. Do you see any specific social issue that hits home with you i mean like you got into it like a lot in the beginning about how like your family they're immigrants to america like are there specific issues Mm. that like really hit home that you think about Mm. on like a day-to-day basis or do you try to get away from all that Mm. and focus on the art Hmm. hmm i keep gravitating towards like a mixture of both I think I definitely wake up some days and like, I'm like, 
I'm feeling not to get back on the sad, but I do feel some specific type of sad. That's like the sadness of the world. Yeah. Like some days I wake up and I feel that. And when I, and days that I wake up feeling like that, the only thing I can help do like that, I feel like I can do. And I mean, it's so tough because you can always do more, you know? Yeah. But, but what, how, how I try to like, you know, um, how I try to cure that like hate and like sadness that I feel is by genuinely like being kind to people and walking around the street and saying hi to everybody I see. Mm. And, you know, like just stopping. If somebody stops to talk to me, I'm going to stop and talk and just trying to really like see people like genuinely see people. And I, that's how I try to, cause it's, it's, it makes me so sad like to think about certain parts of like our, where our society is like there's so much shit that like that happens there's so much and you know while you're speaking i know you can you're thinking of a million things that that is wrong that like it's just so terrible about what society is right now yeah and then there's also the other side of like i'm really happy to like be american you know especially with my parents like story you know, so I'm, I am pretty, pr- I'm proud to be here. So the best way that I can approach it is like I said, that's what I do. I don't try to avoid it. Like if somebody's talking about it, I am curious. I don't seek it. I'm not a, like on the internet. Right. Typing. You're not in. a keyboard warrior. I'm not a keyboard warrior. Yeah. I'm not gonna, if someone says it, if I hear it through a human, I will look it up, hmm. but I don't seek it. Um, if somebody wants to talk to me about it, I'm not going to be like, not this, not this again. Like, I don't want to hear this. I will always be open, but that, that is how I approach it is just to consciously try to be a person who is kind, like truly, truly like kind. Like playing your little part. Yeah, exactly. There's a, I think he's a Buddhist teacher named Jack Cornfield and he has this quote, that someone I listen to pretty regularly named Duncan Trussell. He's a comedian. He's you Yo. would love him. Yeah. He's insane. Okay. Yeah, you would absolutely you love him. I'll, text him to me later. Well, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll send you some of his stuff. But he quotes this guy all the time, and I've looked him up a little bit on Twitter. And he says, uh, "Tend to the part of the garden that you can reach." And mm. I love that quote because just you, you can't. Wow. It's so easy, especially on social media. And I'm like I said, I'm on it every day for work, and it's so easy to get caught up. Mm-hmm. in the mess of everything and you have people from every angle of the of these different social and political divides coming after you like when you put yourself out there mm-hmm. people then come after you and they mm-hmm. say you need to focus more on this issue or mm-hmm. you need to focus more on that or if you don't say anything then they say well you're pri- so privileged it. that you're able to ignore it you right. know, like, like so sweeping it under the rug right? exactly so like i think for for me i look at it in a lot the same way you do where mm-hmm you can take certain measures to have right. a social voice. But I think that's important Absolutely. to some like degree. Like stick up for somebody if exactly. you see something, like, you know. Yeah, or stand up for something stand if, you, up. if there's an right. issue that's really close to you. But I think the most important thing is that day-to-day, person-to-person, how can you make little changes in the right. people around you? Right. Because you can't 
like there's certain people who their their purpose on this earth they are in government that's what mm-hmm. they want to do mm-hmm. they want to make policy changes and there's mm. certain people who have large platforms and they're able to change vast amounts of people but for the common person among us like you or i like we only have how many people we interact with on a day-to-day basis right. we only have how so much influence exactly like, with that you know you don't want to Add to the fire, which I think yeah. is what most people are doing right now. Absolutely. And it's like I think one one thing in particular I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. Mm-hmm. We don't have to dig too deep into that. I just sure. want to like hear your kind of surface level thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. So I mean, one of the big dividing issues that the more people I talk to about all of this that we kind of always comes up is this issue of identity politics, where mm-hmm. there's people. So it's the idea that. I'll just, uh, for lack of, for, mm-hmm. for the sake of time, I'll, I'll frame this in a left versus right sure. uh, paradox type of way. So the right, the right's view of identity politics, this is all obviously watered down, but the right's view is mm-hmm. that when it comes to different genders and races and, and all sorts of uh, people, we need to look at people as individuals and that we need to kind of get past the different like gender and racial mm. divides between us and like go back to seeing people as individuals and not focus on mm-hmm. the specific experiences of different groups. Mm-hmm. Whereas the people on the left, generally speaking, want to focus more on group identity, like focusing mm. on the black experience, gotcha. like focusing on the woman's mm-hmm. experience, you know, like picking out mm. different specifically around minority groups, mm-hmm. obviously. So there's a lot of this push and pull in the media where you mm-hmm. have people coming back to language it's really hard to have day-to-day conversations about these bigger issues because we're seeing it through these different lenses of individual versus group Mm. a lot of times so Mm -hmm. like with someone in your shoes who has parents who were first generation Mm -hmm. immigrants and you're a first generation american what how Mm. how do you navigate like that part of your identity hmm. when you're dealing with people like who are either across the aisle from you politically or just someone who doesn't understand, you know, where you're coming from or your personal experience from hmm. with all that. Yeah, I've definitely you got to have a lot of patience. Yeah. Firstly, like um, there's so many parts of that that I would that I wanted to comment on. That was that was a really good question. It's a long. It's a long all question. My yeah, it's a really good one. Um, I really to point out, like you were talking about the left and the right and the different perspectives of that. Um, I wish that you know, in my perfect world, I don't think that you should necessarily just look past everybody's differences. Um, I think that they should be celebrated because. I mean, I know I'm, I'm really like, I, I don't know I, I about other cultures, but uh, I mean, I don't know if you're proud, but I'm really proud to be Dominican. Like, it's something that we talk about. Yeah, like, it's so cool. I'm proud, you know, and that's something that I don't want ignored. I want you to ask me about it. Yeah. You know, and like, that's one thing I want people to be curious. Like, I wish people were more curious instead of like, I don't understand. I'm going to shut down, you know, it's, right. I know it's a defense mechanism. Like, just to give you an example, it's like, I um of like a struggle that you know my parents deal with the other day my dad like my dad speaks perfect english he just has an accent like mm-hmm. he's been he was here since he was 18 so he speaks fine he just has an accent and he wanted to go buy a pool table but the phone number was like down the street you know so he he asked me to call and i was like dad why can't you call he was like i just want to you know make them feel secure 
if they don't oh, wow. if they don't understand like i don't want to you know can, can you just call them and say that you're speaking on behalf of me and that you'll be coming by with us and i was like sure dad but that's like something like that like is like i'll call my parent i'll call for my parents to like if my mom needs me to call to make an appointment or to call Walmart for her, for her pills, you know, it's like I wish people were just a little more curious to like slow down and try to understand because it's a lot easier than a lot of people think to understand. It's a lot easier if it, it's really about you. If you want to understand, you you will. Yeah. You know, like and if the other person wants to explain, then they it'll work. I just wish it was more of like both, you know. Yeah, it sounds like the way you're you're framing it that the sort of responsibility has been pushed more onto your parents rather yes. than on society as a whole. Whereas right. if, if society was more open and curious, especially in this in right. this scenario where you're right. saying they speak perfect English, so it's it's, right. a, it's literally the gap of an accent right. that, that might make someone feel uncomfortable right. or unsure, which should ne- shouldn't fall back right. on your dad who mm. speaks English and right. has no mm. like that. It's the fact that it's making him have to like second guess right. and think about that. Right. Whereas it should be making the person on the other end, at least p- put in a considerable effort, considerable equally. effort. Right. Yeah, it exactly. Ma- like, like I think that's what you're saying. You're not yeah. saying it should be like just completely one way, completely right. the other way. There should be some, some mutual. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Some right. mutual, like you're a person. I know you're different. Like that's really cool. I'm different too. That's really cool. We can still communicate like, yeah, you know, it, I don't know. I, it, I don't know why I mean, when I said communicate, I thought of this conversation that I had with a deaf guy, like he was deaf uh, a couple days ago. He was, we were exchanging paper. Like it was great. Oh, it's so cool. It was amazing. How often you, you know? get the chance to do that? Not often. That was the first time I got to do that, wow. you know? So it's just, and it was a great exchange and we smiled at each other and we didn't speak the same language. You know, he, he was, he spoke sign language, Yeah, but it was a beautiful exchange. And I've had exchanges like that with many people. You know, people from Asia come in come into my job and like they need to do they need to do a transaction and like and we're we're talking and I'm I'm really trying and it's so beautiful because they people are so grateful. Like that that that's what like you will feel good if you try because a person who doesn't speak the language is so happy that you're like putting in the effort. They already feel like they're like you know, like right. my heart is so there. Like if my heart is anywhere like th- I just feel for that, you know, like I really just feel like people would be more um, open to to communicating. I feel like people get wrapped up in the rhetoric so easily. Rhetoric, what is that? It's just the way that these sort of scenarios that you're describing, the way they're presented in the media, like the way they're talked about amidst other people. These situations are presented, I think, in a way that gives off the um the i like the sentiment to your a lot of the past like the the general public to be more like off put or afraid in mm. those situations right. of the other you know what i mean like a lot of the rhetoric Definitely. that like talk radio and the news like talking heads people in the news and in the media in general a lot of the way that these types of situations are talked about are not talked about in this way that you're describing where it's more of like a curiosity or right. understanding it's a right. lot of just like otherisms exactly you know? exactly yeah. like i i yeah they're just the other i don't know what they're about so yeah. a lot of people don't care and like you don't have to but like if you come across it maybe try to yeah. to communicate you know you don't have to seek out try to talk to every hispanic person you know or every you know indian person or asian person or whatever uh, american person you know you don't have to seek that out but if it, you come across it you you're you're gonna learn you're yeah. going to educate yourself by speaking to this person. You don't know right. what they have to teach you. 
I love know? that. That's so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just wish more mm. people. I wish more people thought about it in that yeah. way. You know, it's something yeah. that it's weird how in today's climate, all this is wrapped up in these these really fast moving conversations and i think people get lost like i said mm. earlier i was drinking getting lost in the sauce like, yeah i love I feel that like, i feel like it's people... a gravy too right? <laughs> it's a gravy lost in the sauce and then you said i, I love burgers i don't think i've said lost in the sauce or gravy on this show ever <laughs> this but oh, really? on, on the, yeah, I think this yeah is the I brought, first time i brought it out that's amazing <laughs> but i feel like too a lot of just the fast moving nature of our culture plays a part of this unfortunately as well just how like we were talking about how busy things are earlier and i think a lot of when it comes to these la- this lack of understanding, this lack of curiosity to mm. have more patience for the other, you know, even if it's someone with an right. accent, that's so just have more patience. Yeah, yeah. that's such a simple ask. That right. is not. That's not even right. like there's people. I <laughs> right. get, when I'm on the phone with like say like the other week, I had to call. I had this huge like month long feud between Verizon and Comcast. Where I was trying to get internet in my apartment. Long long story. I won't bore you, but the long. <laughs> you know, like when you call customer service, you get people from like different countries or people that don't speak very good English. Right. Even amidst those phone calls, I'm speaking with people who barely have a grasp on the language mm-hmm. and I'm able to understand. Right. I'm forcing myself to like right. pay attention and to actually be like, okay, what is this person trying to say? Right. And it's only, and it's funny because of course I'm already frustrated in an instant like that because yeah. I'm dealing with this broken internet and this yeah. whole ordeal. So like, yeah, I'm frustrated, but I'm not going to take the frustration out on the person right. in that They're regard. trying to help you. They're trying to help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, and I think like it's, it's just, it it's, Subject to mm. this entire notion of busyness where that's wrapped up then and all like like I use internet for my job. So like day to day, like every minute counts for me. Like I'm not if I don't have internet, like I I need that time because that's time mm. very crucially spent for me. Where mm. I think that's kinda how people operate on day to day. You know, mm. they they need when they're when they're carving out time to go to Walmart with their family to do whatever shopping, that time, that hour or two mm-hmm. hours is very valuable to them. Right. So when somebody interrupts it, all of a sudden it's the end of the world. I know. Even though it's something so basic, like right. it's some like customer service interaction. Yeah. And that's it's not like they're asking you to carry their groceries to the <laughs> to their house. Like yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. not even like they're, they're not even asking you to lift a finger. Like No. <laughs> but it's but it, I think it, it's that it's yeah. that whole idea of busyness and it's like, it's like a consumerism thing. It's like Absolutely. everything is moving so fast, and it's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of uh, you buy this, I pay, I pay for this. There's a lot of transactions, and it's fast moving in a way that when something like when somebody throws a wrench in the gears, yeah. even if it's something so simple as that, yeah. it derails somebody's mm-hmm. entire day, and oh, that's yeah. so ridiculous. I feel I feel you know? a lot of empathy for people like that because it's like. You are letting that happen to yourself. You're like letting that little thing ruin your day. Like you have every moment to not. You have every moment to not. You know, I feel bad for people like that. Like I feel a lot of empathy. Yeah, because it makes you think like how did you get to that? Yeah. How did you get to that point? Yeah, right. Like why are you so on the edge all the time? Yeah. You know? I think so much of it's cultural at this point. I agree with that. I, I... (laughs) Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> um, let me put this on. Oh, I, I, um, I recently 
discovered that I get so stressed out when I'm when I am like taken out of my flow. Yeah. So it, it it's instilled in us. I agree with that. Is what I wanted to say. Yeah. And most sure. people, I think, it's unfortunate because most people are working jobs they don't want to be at, or, yeah. or they're, they're working a job where the goal of the job is to get a new job. Like they're trying to work their way up a ladder. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, that's yeah. like the grind that they're in. So they're mm. putting in all these extra hours, and they're in relationships that aren't the best, and they don't know how to manage them, and mm. they have all these conflicting things happening day to day yeah yeah and like when all when all that's going on every day over and over and over again it's no wonder you have people with road rage it's no wonder <laughs> you know it's, 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 i did not think that was gonna go there it's that's no hilarious. wonder you have people yeah, like man. with these bad customer service interactions like it's, it's always there's all these mm. like little kinks in the system like it's little tells yeah. on a day to day you can see like the sort of the holes in society eroding mm. as as we keep getting busier and busier and yeah. developing faster and faster mm. you know absolutely that's my yeah. tirade on, on that <laughs> And in conclusion, that's why you should just take a breath today, just randomly, like, just focus before on your, your shower, like, you know, yeah. that's it. It's just about putting intention into the little things in your life. Yeah. I'm going to drink this glass of water. And it's Do you want some of mine? I have no, some. I'm good. I, I was, was like... just saying, like, <laughs> this is going to be a good one. But yes, I yeah. feel this feels like a good it's happened yeah this is a great conversation yes this is awesome. oh my god I, my my brain is like <laughs> blah, 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 blah. same isn't that the best that's my favorite thing about doing podcasts with people is that oh. you get that energy the energy flow between yes. two people you know yes. and it's always different mm. like if I, if I do one with you today and tomorrow I might do with someone do it with someone who's very introverted and there's a right. lot of different energy flow like the space mm. Manage between us right now, like whereas you and I, we bounce a lot. Right, so yeah. you, you're you're saying an idea, and I'm already thinking of what I'm going to say next. We're kind of mm-hmm. bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Right, there's right. sometimes with like different, depending on the person's temperament and their energy mm-hmm. levels. You like there's a flow of conversation and information and energy that you have to gotcha. manage. Gotcha, gotcha. You know? Right. Like if I was just like, yeah, like cheese. <laughs> What's so funny? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my hair turns black and it just covers one of my eyes straight away. <laughs> Emo Kai. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's amazing. <laughs> so, like, just to close out, like, do you have yeah. any? Like, I'll, I'll plug in the show notes of all this. I'll plug yeah. your social media, anything yeah. you got coming up or whatever. But is there anything mm-hmm. in particular? you're working on now or that you're listening to right now or anything that's popping out that you want to share yeah i just put together a little uh album it's called collecting Kyrie, which is my full name and essentially the album i went through my laptop and i i loop my voice Mm -hmm. so um if if you y'all don't know what what looping means is essentially like i i'll sing a harmony and then it'll be that harmony will keep going the melody and then on top of that i'll sing a wait no sorry i'll sing a melody la 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 and then that melody will keep looping la 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 and then i'll harmonize on top of that la 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 you know and then it'll be all stacked together and it'll create a beautiful thing so i had little recordings of that a bunch of them of me playing guitar and doing loops and then i had actual full songs so i put together kind of like a journey between short loops and full songs and voice record and voice messages of me speaking to oh, a friend, so cool. you know, and, uh, met some meditation songs and some chants. And it's like a 
30-minute little thing that I encourage you listen to at night just one time through if you have half an hour. I love That's that. That's a thing. And I love also the last time, I think I think it was the last time we saw each other when mm, I, I recorded ease. the, yeah, at ease. Oh, yeah. Is YouTube the best place to find that or is, there some, is it recorded Band somewhere camp. else? Bandcamp. That's so on Bandcamp. So it's Luna Moore's? Yeah, so if you, ta- if you type in, yeah, yeah, Luna Moore's Bandcamp or, or Bandcamp collecting Kyrie and my uh so it'll be in there yeah it'll be in there if you just type in luna mora's band camp on google it'll everything will come up awesome yeah i love it thank you all right